Folks, welcome in to Free Money Football. I'm your host, Ty B. We got Meerkat and some guy named Steve joining us yet again as we're here to break down the AFC and NFC Norris division. Shout out to Chris Berman on that. But Stevie, I got to ask you first here. We got a taste of some real NFL football the other day. How are you feeling? The season's right around the corner. I mean, it was what we expected from the first preseason game, right? A lot of sloppy offense on both sides of the ball, a lot of punting, just a lot of bad throws by backup quarterbacks, but it was football. And to just see football on the TV screen again was great. We got to watch a little bit of Najee Harris, one of my favorite rookies coming into the season. I'll talk about him more later, but it was just good to have football back. Ty, we're, I mean, we're less than a month away. It's, I'm very excited. Absolutely. Less than a month away. And I see Meerkat sipping on that QB1 over there. Shout out the bat. Beautiful product. And you saw QB1 the other day. You got over to Highmark Stadium. Got used to saying that. What the hell? Um, Highmark Stadium for the Bills. Open practice the other day. How was that? NFL football is in the air in Orchard Park, Meerkat. Oh, man, it's incredible. Just the atmosphere with ten to 15,000 fans, whatever the number was. Absolutely crazy. It, I mean, you saw it in the playoffs with 7,500 fans. And Friday, they already said they're not playing Allen, which I love. I don't want to see him take a snap this preseason. But still, doesn't matter. I'm excited for Buffalo Bills football. Get me to Friday. Get me to September 12th. Start playing Renegade now. I can't wait for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, And we will be hearing some Renegade, maybe even in this podcast episode. You never know because we will be talking about the Steelers when we get there. And we're going to be starting in the North, AFC North, that is. And we have the Baltimore Ravens starting with quarterback Lamar Jackson coming off an MVP season. It was not what he really wanted last year in 2020. The team as a whole in 2019 was the most efficient offense in the entirety of the NFL, but they took a big step back from first all the way to 22nd last year. And the big reason for that, you look at that 30.4% pressure rate on all of dropbacks for Lamar Jackson. How the hell are you supposed to throw the ball when you're running constantly? You have to be able to set your feet. So what did they do? They went out, got a guy like Kevin Seitler on the inside. Alejandro Villanueva who can start on the outside or you can move him to the inside at guard if you really need to and you add some more weapons to the outside for Lamar to throw to and Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins who's still not over the hump we've seen him produce still for the Chiefs if he's not going to be that featured number one guy which is exactly the case when you have guys like Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman there as well I like what the Ravens are doing trying to put more weapons around Lamar so it's not just going to be, hey, let's try to focus on the running game. Because teams last season really focused on their side defensively was how can we stop Lamar from running? How can we not let him beat us that way? And the big thing was getting pressure on him, not letting him get outside the pocket. So by bolstering that, hopefully they improve. They were one of the best teams, thankfully, on red zone and third down or else they probably wouldn't have made the playoffs. They played one of the easiest schedules in all of football last season and kind of scratch and clawed through that and, you know, got their way into the playoffs, but it wasn't the prettiest. Had to beat some really bad teams at the end of the season and go on a little bit of a run there to get themselves in. So looking at it this year, I think it might be a whole nother ball game for the Baltimore Ravens. I think they're going to figure things out on the offense. Like I said, you talk about bringing in those weapons and their numbers sitting at 11 in this division. That's going to be tough. That's a high, high number. Um, last season, they're right around that number. They're definitely going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. I think they're one of the best teams um, in the way that they're built offensively and defensively. Um, if As long as they can find that efficiency again on offense, which I think is here, boys, the Ravens are a very, very big threat in this uh, division. Yeah, so the AFC North this year is going to be wild. It's probably going to be the most exciting division in football to watch, in my opinion. And 
The Ravens win total here sitting at 11. They cut 11 wins last year, but you brought it up. They have the easiest schedule in the league, and they kind of scratched and clawed to that. A lot of close games went two and four in those games. So, you know, you don't want to be in those close type of games because you can go in six in those pretty easily. You can go four and two instead of two and four. A lot of things can swing, but coming in this year with the top 10 hardest schedule, and the biggest thing this offseason I see with them is they lost Matt Judon, Annie, Yannick, and Gakwe. Those are big losses. How do they replace them? With Jason, sorry, Ado, Adafi uh, away. He was going by Jason through college, but I think Odafi's his real name, so he's going by that now. Uh, who's a big boomer boss guy? Like, you don't want to rely on your pass rush there. And sure, they have Clayus Campbell, but he's on the wrong end of 30. I think he's going to be 35 this year heading into the season. And Derek Wolf, who hasn't done anything since what, with Denver in like 2016. So that pass rush being a bit depleted might hurt their secondary now after, you know, they've benefited from the front seven being solely generating pressure. The secondary's been able to make a lot more plays. So we'll see how that goes. But I am going with the under 11 here, Uh, even with 17 games. I kind of want to take a push, but we're not doing that. We're going straight over unders and I'm going with the under here. I just, I don't know. I don't think they did enough on offense, you know, to help Lamar Jackson. They had a Rashad Bateman, who I love, but now he's going to be out to start the season, it's looking like. Not good for them. And I just, I don't know. I don't trust in this team. With the AFC North being so hard, with how lucky they got last year, I'm going under. Yeah, Meerkat, I'm kind of right with you there. I'm more leaning towards the under just because I think the division is going to be really tough this year. I actually really like a lot of the teams in the AFC North. And the Ravens, they're a run-first football team. They kind of added to that with Zeitler, but he's more of a you know a pass, better pass blocker, Villanueva. He's going to help too. But the big thing with the Ravens, I just don't think they have a legitimate number one receiving option. Sammy Watkins, we don't know how many games he's going to be you know able to play or how many you can rely on him for. Bateman, who I loved out of college as well, he's going to be out for a little bit. And Marquise Hollywood-Brown hasn't really shown that he can be a legitimate, you know, number one option in an offense his first two years. He had 769 yards and 584 yards as basically their number one receiver. And that's just not going to help you going forward when you're facing, you know, good secondaries that the Browns are going to have, that the Steelers are going to have. And I I want to take, you know, right at the number at 11 because you got Lamar Jackson, who's 30 and 7 as a starter. He knows how to win football games. He, he makes the place to win games. And they got one of the best coaches in the NFL with John Harbaugh. Eight of the last 10 seasons, double-digit wins. John Harbaugh is a genius for both sides of the ball. But with the competition, I'm leaning the under as well. And that kind of gives me into my player prop. I love this prop. It's it's Hollywood Brown under 800 and a half receiving yards. He just, he's had chances to be the guy. And we can clearly see in the offseason, the Ravens don't think he'll ever be that number one receiver. They got Sammy Watkins. They drafted Bateman. And Lamar spreads the ball around. You still have Mark Andrews, who's a good receiving tight end. J.K. Dobbins, you know, Gus Edwards, they can get a little bit of yards in the receiving game. Under 800 and a half, I think it's free money. It's minus 115, but I'm on the under for the prop, and I'm on the under for the win total for the Ravens this year. I'm going to be the contrarian on this one, boys. I'm going with the over 11. I just think that they're going to figure it out. They've had the coaching for years. They have uh, the culture in place. They have the, you know, the right guys who know how to win, and Lamar has proven that he can do it even, you know, coming in as a youngster. He's still figured it out i think they're going to you know continue to improve as a team and hit that over it's such a it's such a tough number at 11 but um another part of that i think um is going to be lamar having these more weapons in the passing game hopefully that improves back to his mvp form that's why i'm going to go with the over 25 and a half passing touchdowns over the course of a 17 game season that comes out to only one and a half passing touchdowns per game um as long as this offense is remains as proficient as it has been um, for the most part over the, you know, the betterty of Lamar's entire career. um, I think he's going to hit that mark. Yeah. uh, You're going with an over. I'm going with Stevie. I'm going with another under for my player prop though. I I do like Lamar this year to have some decent numbers after a lot of scrutiny last year with, if Bateman comes back healthy, that's huge, but I'm going with JK Dobbins under, 1,050 and a half rushing yards this year. He had a good rookie campaign, but when you really break down the numbers, 20% of his production 
came from a meaningless week 17 game against an awful Bengals team inflates his numbers a bit and you know overall he was he looked okay but still they inked up Gus Edwards there's a reason they want him he's had at least 130 carries and 700 yards in all three seasons he's been there the most underappreciated guy maybe the entire NFL and the, the running back one is Lamar Jackson. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Lamar, Lamar has much. been under 100 and what, like 45 carries since he's been there. Um, there's just too many mouths to feed in that backfield for, mm-hmm. you know, I see Dobbins probably being the second guy right above Edwards, but more of a split between them with Jackson probably leading the way in carries um, this season. So I just don't see him getting the volume to break that 1050 number. It's just a big number. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Meerkat. Love that one there. And let's hop over to that team you just brought up. One of the worst teams in the entire league last year, the Cincinnati Bengals. How are we feeling about them, boys? So it's the Bengals, a weird offseason for them. You saw them come to this draft. I Even though everyone said they were going to take Sewell with that fifth pick, they're going to go O-line, they're going to protect Joe Burrow. Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase was there for them, and they're like, all right, we're going to take that elite playmaker, even though we have a good receiving core already with Boyd and Higgins, which I love that combo, throwing Chase. It's elite. Then they get Jackson Carmen to help shore up the offensive line. I think that's a great value there. Carmen's a guy who could have slipped into that in the first round, and nobody would have batted an eyelash. Joseph Asai, another great value pick. Should have, you know, a lot of people projected as maybe a late first and early second round guy. They get him in the third. They get Tyler Shelvin to help shore up that defensive line. Riley Reef, another big pickup for that offensive line. So they did make some moves to help get Joe Burrow some protection while giving him another elite weapon and all you know the the reports out of camp so far in Burrow have been a little mixed he's coming back from a pretty big injury kind of fast but he's gonna be good to go during the season I just think I believe in Burrow personally right now and they've made a lot of moves he looked good last year even though he has that two six and one record in the nine games he played four of the games were or six of those games were against playoff teams and they lost uh, four of the games by less than a score that he played in. So a lot of misfortune for him. And you see the QB pressure right there for Burrow. He was under fire. He was getting hit a lot. That's why offensive line was an emphasis for them this offseason. You keep him upright. You had a few good defensive pieces, especially Chidobia Woozy to shore up that secondary. A very good corner who getting out of the situation is. I think he could thrive in Cincinnati. And Zach Taylor, a lot of scrutiny after a bad record two years in uh, coming into his third season. He's relying on Burrow. The whole fan base is relying on Burrow. And they got some new jerseys. Maybe the new look will help shed that stigma, get a little bit of that Cincinnati stink off of them. But heading into this year, their win total set at six and a half. Last year, going 4-11-1, but you saw Burrow get hurt after nine games. Last in the division last year. Do I think they do better than that? No. I'm still going to go with the over, though. I think they might finish last in this AFC North. But not by much. I believe in Joe Burrow, like I said. And six and a half is a very, very low number for a Bengals team who underperforms year in and year out. The past five years, their win totals have dropped every single year, and they've gone under it all five years. It has to end at some point. And Burrow coming into his own with elite weapons and, you know, just a fresh look to the franchise right now, I think is kind of what they need. So I'm going over six and a half with Cincy. What do you guys think? Yeah, for me, when I'm looking at it, I'd like to look at their schedule here on this one, having to play the entire NFC North division. That's not going to be a complete walk through the park. Obviously, two of those matchups are going to be very, very tough. Uh, the Bears still have a good defense as well. Uh, then you're playing in the AFC West, not easy. Then you're taking on the Jets, who could be much better. The Jaguars should be a win, and the 49ers. Eh. So I don't really see that over six and a half. I'm I'm on the under on this one. I think that they're going to start to see some improvement, hopefully, from Joey B. He might figure out how to win those close games late in the season. But I think early on, eh, it's not going to be there yet. 
Yeah, I'm with you, Ty. I'm, I'm taking the under as well. I think the best way to describe the Bengals this year, I think they'll be a fun team. I think they'll be a fun team to watch. I can't wait to see Burrow reconnecting with Jamar Chase. People forget that two years ago, it wasn't Justin Jefferson at LSU who was the number one option. It was Jamar Chase. He had over, I think, 1,800 receiving yards, yeah. just torched defenders, and I can't wait to see that connection in the NFL again. And you got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd as your number two and three options who are great receivers in their own. With Joe Mixon, who has looked like an elite back at times, health has been a major concern, and sometimes Mixon just runs straight into the line, but he has the talent to succeed. The other side of the ball, I just don't trust the Bengals' defense enough, and you kind of touched on it earlier, Meerkat. I like Burrow. I do, but he's only had two professional wins so far in his career. They passed up on the linemen to take a wide out in year one, which I'm thinking the Bengals aren't expecting to win right away, but they're trying to you know build a team that can win down the road. They're adding a few pieces. I just don't think there's enough there, and I think the rest of the AFC North is just still better right now on both sides of the ball. I'm taking the under. But I'm going to take a over for my prop, and it's Tyler Boyd. I'm taking his over 825 and a half receiving yards. Both Higgins and both Jamar Chase are over 1,000 receiving yards if you want to bet them. And it's really hard for me to take over 1,000 yards when it's a three-headed monster in the receiving game. Tyler Boyd has been Mr. In- Mr. Consistent, the guy that just no one talks about, but he just shows up every year. He's going to have a role, and since he's became a starter for the Bengals, 1,028, 1,046, and 841 receiving yards. He's got a 72% catch rate compared to Higgins, who had a 62% last year. And Chase, as much as I love him, as much as I think he's going to be a generational-type talent, he's still a rookie. He's going to have those bumps in the road throughout this season. Boyd is going to be Mr. Consistent for Joe Burrow in this offense. I love over 825.5 receiving yards. It's at minus 125. I think he hits that with ease. So you're taking one of Burrow's receivers to go over. I'm taking Burrow to go over his passing yard total of 4,200 and a half. I'll say it again. I believe in Joe Burrow. His weapons, which were already good, got a huge upgrade with Jamar Chase. You touched on their connection and everything between them. Carmen and Reef are good additions to this line. With Quinn in Spain and uh, Jonah Williams on the other side, he should face a lot less pressure this year. He's got a good backfield. And statistically, he was great as a rookie QB. Over a 17-game schedule on last year's pace, he was on pace for 4,600 yards. I think if he's healthy all year, he absolutely crushes this number of 4,200 and a half. No matter the Bengals' record, which they're going to be down in a lot of games, even though I took their win total. They're going to be throwing a lot, especially with these receivers. I love this Burrow number. Yep, I like that there, Meerkat. That's a great angle in that one. And we're going to stay in the great state of Ohio, a city that has burning rivers, Cleveland, Ohio, the Browns. Finally got back into the playoffs. Can they improve on that run? So the biggest thing to look at with the Browns, so you look at key numbers over there, I was just like, hey, you're not even getting a key number. You're just getting their roster. Because I think the moves the Browns made between the draft and free agency this offseason and the past few years in general, they've low-key built one of the best rosters in the league. I know they outperformed last year what they were expected to, But when you saw what they did and the talent all around and then what they did this offseason, you you can't really deny the fact their secondary needed a little help. You got um, uh, Denzel Ward, uh, who's a stud there. You get Greg Newsome, who's a steal there where they got him at 26. They got JOK, the steal of the entire draft, a guy who I didn't think was going to fall out of the top 20 there to shore up their linebacking core along with Anthony Walker Jr. in free agency. Anthony Schwartz, another speedster receiver to give to their wide receiver core, which has Rashard Higgins, uh, Jarvis Landry, and Odell Beckham Jr. coming back with Austin Hooper at tight end. And what do you know? Baker Mayfield, we were all down on him. He gets a offensive coordinator who is focused, or a a head coach who is an offensive coordinator focused on quarterbacks with Kevin Stefanski. They click. You got the most efficient and, you know, turnover adverse uh, performance we've ever seen out of Baker Mayfield. It was a big jump, not quite a Josh Allen jump, but a big jump you wanted to see out of them. And their running back combo, I mean, it's an all-time duo. Last year was big play after big play with Chubb and Hunt. 
and they're going to keep doing it again this year because they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. I wish we had Wyatt Teller still, one of the only branded bean misses of all time. But then adding John Johnson, Troy Hill to also help that secondary with the Greg Newsom pick, to Karis McKenley to pair with Jadavion Clowney. Uh, yeah, we'll take that to put on opposite end then with Miles Garrett any day of the week. The Browns are going to be an absolute force, and their win total is set at 10.5 this year. After going to 11.5 and, uh, and making the playoffs this year, I'm all over the Browns over this season. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Meerkat. I'm a little scared because I feel like everyone I've talked to this year is on the Browns and on the over, but I just love the additions they've made to both sides of the ball. And I'm going to touch on one of the guys you brought up, John Johnson, because he was an absolute monster for the Rams when he was there. He's a safety who can play all over the field. Not many people know him, but he's just an elite defensive player, great pass coverage, but he's a great tackler. He's a great tackling safety, and he's one of those guys who could get involved in the backfield, involved in the secondary. And it makes their secondary that much better when you bring in a safety like that with the corners they already have. And then on the other side of the ball, you're talking about, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is the dynamic duo for the running backs. But we're forgetting you got Jarvis Landry, who's one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL, and Odell Beckham Jr., who, when healthy, is probably a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Baker has all the tools to succeed. Not, I mean, you got Austin Hooper as well, who's a reliable tight end. Browns have a good offensive line. There's no holes on this roster, which is why I'm taking the over 10 and a half. I'm kind of scared because it is the Browns. And I feel like every time we give the Browns credit, they just kind of fall apart and crumble. But this is a new look Browns. I like the way they've built this team. And I've always liked Baker Mayfield. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for him since his days at Texas Tech. I, I like the over 10 and a half, and I'm taking John Johnson, the former Ram, his prop over 110 and a half tackles at minus 115. He had 119 tackles in 2018. He had 51 in 2019 in just six games. That's 136 pace on a 16 game season. And then last year, 105 tackles in 2020. But the best part about last year, he played 100% of the Rams' defensive snaps. So when they were on defense, he's on the field. He's not missing a snap. He's going to be huge for this defense. And I love it. Over 110 and a half tackles. Yep. And I'm going to be on, I'm on that over as well on that 10 and a half there. I mean, when you look at it, if you look at their look ahead lines for these games, bookies have them favored in 13 of their games this season. So, I mean, what what does that tell you? I mean, they're only an underdog in two of them, and that's um, at the Chiefs to open the season. And then um, later on in the season when they play at Baltimore, and they're only actually an underdog by like a half a point because of the three-and-a-half line because of the home away. So when you look at it, the Browns should be able to get this. Vegas sort of expects it. They've moved the line up. It started nine-and-a-half real early in the summer. Um, now it's up an f- entire win. They had 11 last year, and I think the team's gotten better. So, I mean, it's it just mm-hmm. the only reason you bet the under is because you're like, it's the Browns. Right. Every other reason tells you to bet the over, and I'm and I'm going to be betting the over. Yep. Yeah, and we're all, so we like the over there, but yeah. I'm taking an under for my prop. I And we brought up OBJ a little bit. Um, on the fantasy show, when we went over receivers, he was one of my sleeper guys this year. I think he has a nice little bounce back season, but I am still fading him and taking his under 925 and a half receiving yards this year. Uh, I was hyping up Baker, you know, saying how efficient and stuff he got last year, but still the passing yards really weren't there. Their leading receiver was Jarvis Landry with just 840. And they have a pretty crowded room now because Higgins is going to get his looks. Landry's going to demand his looks. OBJ's there. They drafted Anthony Schwartz. Uh, it's just a lot of miles to feed for a guy like mm-hmm. Baker who's not going to be throwing the ball 555, 550 times, especially with this backfield this year. So I like OBJ to have a good season, but I am taking him under 925 and a half yards. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I mean, I need, I need over that personally because I have an autographed tweet from OBJ that literally says I called he's going to be the best receiver in NFL history. So I need, I need over 1,000 <laughs> yards multiple seasons in a row. So please, OBJ – um, I know you're definitely listening. Please give me over a thousand yards. But we're on to the Steelers, their biggest rival. They finally got over the hump last season uh, to beat the Steelers up a little bit there. 
But this year for the Steelers, this is a make-or-break year for Ben Roethlisberger. Do you have any faith in him, Stevie? I mean, this is one of the most polarizing teams to talk about, right? Because if you say one thing, bad thing about the Steelers, their fans just come with pitchforks to your front stop. They attack <laughs> you. And it's hard to, you know, talk about the Steelers. I hate the Steelers, so I got to leave my bias out of it. It all comes down to their offensive line. They've retooled the entire thing this year. You got Trey Turner. You got Joe Haig, B.J. Finney to, you know, replace guys, veterans like Pouncey, who's no longer there. Their offensive line was miserable last year. It was dead last in the NFL in adjusted line yards. And the Steelers are just trying to change everything with that. They drafted a running back in the first round, Najee Harris, who they want to be their workhorse. He's out of Alabama. He's a big back. He's a powerful back. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but he can catch the ball. He can pass block, and he can break tackles. And we saw a little bit of that in the first preseason game. Not too, too much, but we saw enough. I love Najee Harris. I don't love the offensive line. I really don't love the moves they made. But at the end of the day, this is going to come down to Ben Roethlisberger. And if he can do enough to help this team succeed, they have a really good defense. We know that. And they added another edge rusher with Melvin Ingram to go on the opposite side of TJ Watt. That is going to be a force to reckon with. You got Minka Fitzpatrick is the safety, probably the best safety in the NFL, in my opinion. The Steelers defense is going to be good, but it comes down to Big Ben. Steelers last year, they started 11-0. Big Ben looked great. They went 1-4 in their final five games and then lost to the Browns in the first round of the playoffs. And we know how the start of that game went. It was a disaster for the Steelers. They were down four scores before it felt like kickoff even happened. So I'm not a huge Big Ben fan. I saw a lot of signs of him regressing towards the end of the year. But his season-long numbers, they weren't horrible. 3,800 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 10 picks. But what stood out to me is he had his – lowest career yards per attempt and lowest career yards per completion. And he did that with probably three of his best weapons he's ever seen with Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. One of those guys, you know, those guys are kind of diva wide receivers. We've seen the TikToks with Juju and Chase. We know what the Steelers, you know, skill position players are at this point. But one of them has to, you know, maybe take a step back, let one guy step up to be the number one, just to have a little more flow in this offense. The over-under is set at eight and a half. The over is actually plus 120, and the under is minus 140. I despise the Steelers as just a fan, but I'm taking the over eight and a half here. I know they played the second easiest schedule last year, and now it's going into the second hardest schedule, and everything... I mean, wants to take the under for the Steelers, but I still think they're a good football team at the end of the day that can squeeze out wins. They have a good coach in Mike Tomlin. They have a good defense that's going to be there consistent week to week, and they have weapons on offense. The offensive line's a big question mark, and Big Ben, you know what? He could just collapse like he kind of did at the end of last year, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, at least for this season. I think they'll get over eight and a half, probably right around nine, maybe 10 wins. It's going to be a tough division, but I think the Steelers are going to be right there in it. I'm going opposite of you, Stevie. I'm sorry. Uh, I agree with you on some of the things you said, but they were obviously the most fraudulent 12-way yeah. team probably in NFL history last year. They didn't deserve that. I think Big Ben is done, so he's about to be 40 years old. He's got a bad offensive line. That line that wasn't good last year that got worse. Yeah. And they, they <laughs> lost other key pieces other than an offensive line like Steven Nelson. But Dupree, who I know is extremely overrated, not a huge loss for them. Uh, J- James Conner, you know, there's other guys they lost. There's guys who have been here, guys who play a role in this team, and they didn't do anything really a big impact in free agency. And they had the most Steelers draft of all time, a bruiser <laughs> running back, uh, a blue collar tight end and two offensive guards. Like you can't get more Steelers right. than that. No picks that really stand out at you. Like Greer Muth is just kind of a guy and Harris. Yes. Harris. I do like, but with this offensive line, and I feel like they're just going to run him like 25 times a game as a rookie. They're going to run this poor kid into the ground. So I, which is how good their div is, I got to fade the Steelers. If this number was eight, maybe I'm taking I could see them finishing with eight this year. I'm kind of playing the extra game just because I think, I mean, nine and eight, that's not a great season, but I can see them getting to nine wins. Yeah, it's hard to say Steelers go eight and nine, especially after going yeah. 12 and four last year. But right. Yeah, I just it's, don't it's hard to say it, but when you look at the schedule, it's yeah. 
it, it kind of makes sense when you see, you know, what, what was wrong with that offense. Like, people figured it out. Like, it just became very predictable at the end of the season. And um, if if we're going to see, you know, shades of that again, like, they're going to get destroyed. You know, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is just a standing duck in, in the backfield. Like, Luis Marquise Pouncey and uh, Alejandro Villanueva and, Good luck. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I'm going with the under. I I think they're gonna they're gonna regress this year again, and we're gonna see a bit of a rebuild here. They're gonna have to press a reset there in Pittsburgh at some point. And I think after this season, it might be the year. I mean, if if you think you know, if you're a person who thinks the Bengals are gonna have a better year, well, the Steelers are gonna have a worse one then. I mean, it, it just one of the teams are gonna have to take you know a step back, and it, it's gonna be the Steelers then. So, I'm going the under here. Well. Me and you like the under for that. Stevie likes the over. I like an over for my player prop. Even though I I was talking a little shit about Big Ben, I'm going with Deontay Johnson over 975 receiving yards this year. He's an extremely QB-friendly receiver, Mm -hmm. a big yards after the catch guy, which if Ben's arm is completely dead, but they're still throwing the ball, Deontay makes sense. He had a ton of targets last year. In fact, 144 in only 15 games with, you know, all the QB shit going on and how weird everything was for that offense. He still stayed consistent. He had a great rookie year, and I love receivers that I have promised coming into the third seasons. I think that's when they can truly blossom. I think, you know, a lot of Chase Claypool talk and stuff like that. I think Deontay Johnson is easily going to be their top target this year. So I just like him, you know, being as QB friendly as he is, the numbers he's put up before. 17 games this year, he stays healthy. I, he just needs to fix his drops a little bit. Yeah. He drops a lot of balls, but that's an emphasis this offseason. Like I said, third year is that really coming-of-age year for most receivers in the NFL when they're on the fringe. So put it together. Let's do it, Deontay. Yeah, for my prop, I'm actually staying completely away from the offense entirely because, you know, Big Ben is a big question mark, and that trickles down to all the position players. I'm going defense, and there's one sure thing on the defense. It's Minka Fitzpatrick. He's been a back-to-back all-pro. I'm taking over three-and-a-half interceptions because I'm getting that plus 130 odds. He had five last year. He had four in 2020, and this is a ball-hawking safety. He played corner in college. He's a safety now. He can play anywhere on the field. I think he's going to get to four interceptions with ease in the 17 game season. Yeah, I think that's a great spot right there. Make Fitzpatrick has been a turnover machine, especially since he's gone to the Steelers and that defense has been very sound. So um, if, you know, the defense continues to play the way they have, then it's going to be tough for them to, you know, not hit that eight, nine win mark. So we'll see how this one plays out. But that offense, I think, is going to be key. What does Ben Roethlisberger have left in the tank? But it's time to hop over to the NFC with the Chicago Bears, where we go from an old vet to a young rookie quarterback. What do we like about Justin Fields? So I was a very big fan of Justin Fields in college at Ohio State. I thought he was the second-best quarterback without question coming into this draft class. I really thought the Jets should have taken him. They didn't, and he fell all the way to the Bears at 11, which I thought was probably the best pick in the first round. Now, in Bears fashion, let's see when they play him because I don't want to see Andy Dalton take a snap for the Bears in the regular season. Unfortunately, I think we may see that. But the Bears are a team that has just been plagued by bad quarterback play their entire existence, and it was no exception last year with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. If you look at the passing table, they just did not throw the ball downfield well consistently. Every now and then, Mitch would hit a deep bomb, but the Bears were just not a big play threat offense. It was consistent enough, and they have big play threat receivers. You've got Allen Robinson, who I think is the most underrated receiver in the entire football league. He's been with Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky his entire career, and he puts up numbers year after year. They got Darnell Mooney, who showed me a lot of things last year, and I think he could take a big step forward this year. And then they acquired Marquise Goodwin, who is the definition of a big play threat. That's all he does. Cole Komet, a second-year tight end out of Notre Dame, he can fill in the role that Jimmy Graham had, even if you know Jimmy Graham's still there. I like the Bears to improve this year. I think their Bears defense will always be, you know, a good defense. The big 
thing on question mark of defense for me is Desmond Trufant. He was horrible last year. I think he was the second worst graded corner out of all corners in the NFL. And he has to fill the shoes of Kyle Fuller. That's going to be tough to do. But if he can figure it out, I think everything else will fall into place for that defense. And it's just a matter of when will Fields play for this team. That's the big thing for me. The Bears right now, their win total is seven and a half. The unders minus 125. The overs plus 105. I've seen the Bears win with bad quarterbacks before, and I believe that Justin Fields is the best quarterback they've had in a long time. I hope he comes in soon. It could screw me if the Bears, you know, play Andy Dalton for the first half of the year and the Bears just kind of fall out of the division race early on. But If Fields comes in, I think they can reach this number over seven and a half. I like the Bears to reach the number because I think they're the second best team in the division this year. I'm putting my faith in Justin Fields. I don't know about you guys. I'm going against you again. I am taking the Bears under seven and a half wins this year. I want to start out by saying I love Justin Fields. Me and you are on the same page. I said he was the second best quarterback in this draft all draft season uh, is driving me crazy when he started to fall a bit but uh, you know he's looked great at camp so far but what's not as widely reported where you're not getting tons of videos of it is all the main reports are that Andy Dalton's look just as good and the coaching staff believes in Dalton as the starter of this team which I disagree with but the Bears coaching staff has made a lot of dumb decisions. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace together, like Tweedledee and Tweedledum. They don't know what they're doing in the past few years in Chicago. It's bad. So I just don't have faith in their coaching staff. And they lost a lot this offseason. Like, they lost a lot. and didn't do much to replace it at all. It seems like, all right, well, we got the rookie. Let's let him adjust, figure it out for a year, then go full board the next offseason. So we'll see because they're not really strong in any position now outside of their front seven. So I'm fading the Bears, especially with their tough schedule. For me, this is like one of those – uh, the, one of the years, you know, where the Bills go out and you, you get Josh Allen and you're like, oh, what do you expect? Like, eh, they're probably not going to be that great. And, like, um, you never know in this situation because rookies all the time we think, oh, no one's going to come in and start day one. And then you have guys like Russell Wilson who come out of nowhere and do it. So it's always entirely possible. And that's why right now before the preseason, preseason starts, while it's an unknown, plus 500 – Justin Fields to take the first snap of the season at quarterback for the Bears. I'm hitting it. I mean, the guy has just so much upside as a passer, and you have, you know, some decent weapons. There's no reason not to throw him out there. If you really believe in that defense and still being, you know, somewhat good, like they were right up there, you know, in the tops um, of the league, you know, the past few seasons, sixth in overall defensive efficiency, um, they're able to – get to the quarterback and that's the one thing we've seen um to beat good teams is that that's what you have to do and if they can do that and justin fields does what he does they can hit that over will it happen i don't love it but i'm gonna go with the over because i think they're right there at like eight wins so i'm gonna i'm gonna hit the over well i uh I'll go with an over, I guess, for my player prop then, since I'm the only one on the under a win total. Uh, Stevie brought him up. I'm going to go with Colton Komet over 498.5 and a half receiving yards this season. I'm not the biggest fan of him. I wasn't in last year's draft either, but they invested a second-round pick into him, which is about right. And his you know, number is really low, really low. I think Jimmy Graham's starting to get phased out. He's had comments on the camp where he's kind of just mentoring Colton Komet at this point because Komet's been looking great at camp. And you look at his stats last year, he had 200, or tw- yeah, 243 yards on 28 catches, which is not that impressive. But then you really break it down. He only had eight targets through the first nine weeks, even though he was active. Apparently, a big learning curve for him, adjusting to the NFL, Chicago's offense, all of that. So end of the season, he gets 30 of his 44 season targets over the last five games, puts up some decent numbers there, now looking good in camp, coming into his second year after having a lot invested into him. I think Cole Komet can easily get over 500 receiving yards this year. Um, 
I'm taking a receiving prop as well. It's the guy I brought up. It's Allen Robinson. I don't care who the quarterback is. Allen Robinson's going to get his. It's over 1,090 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. In four full seasons he's played, he's averaged 1,170 receiving yards. He had 1,250 and 1,147 the past two years, and that's with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. And the years before that, he had Blake Bortles as his quarterback. Even if Andy Dalton plays the first couple games, Robinson will still get his. He's shown it every single year. And people think Allen Robinson is this some grizzled veteran who's on the decline of his career. He's 27 years old. This guy is entering his prime. He's one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. I love his over 1,090 and a half. And when Fields comes in, that's the best quarterback that I think Robinson has played with in his entire football career. I love it. Yeah, Meerkat, I need I need to know though, was Cole Komet at tight end university? Ooh, actually, I'm not sure about That's that. That's the biggest I, thing. I said if he was tight end I'm, over. I'm switching if he wasn't. I'm sorry, folks <laughs> at home who got that pick and then tuned out. I mean Ooh, tight end university is a game changer. I mean, you see Dawson Knox, he's throwing up fourteen hundred yards this year. <laughs> fourteen hundred, I would love to see it. Um, Meerkat, what are the odds? Please find me the odds for that, please. But, uh, oh, I'll get them. <laughs> all right, let's hop over to the Detroit Lions. Um, the Detroit Lions probably are going to really suck. I mean, I don't know if there's there's a good way to, to – I'm not going to beat around the bush on this one. The Lions are favored in zero of their games in 2021. Uh, they went out, they traded their franchise cornerstone quarterback, Matt Stafford, who has put up great numbers in on a terrible team for years and they just couldn't figure out how to win and you know they go out now they're on yet another coach in dan campbell who you know i i believe in maybe you know over the long term but right now to turn this around in one year absolutely not going to happen they were one of the worst teams um defensively (laughs) not one of actually they were the worst defensively all around and yes you go out and you get some additions and especially um building through that front seven getting three interior defensive linemen two through the draft one you know with michael brockers he can play a little bit of the outside too if you need but um by doing that, it shows, you know, where Dan Campbell believes in it. We know he's a blue-collar guy. He wants to build through the trenches. You go and get Panay Sewell, who is, you know, potentially like a top three guy overall. Um, if you get position, you know, out of the equation, just overall player, like he was right up there. So to get him at seven, you got to be absolutely ecstatic. Um, you have some of the building blocks for the future, and maybe you can have a decent running game with DeAndre Swift and some of this offensive line. You didn't have that bad of an offense overall last year. Very mediocre, but you're going from Matt Stafford to Jared Goff. Jared Goff wasn't good enough to get the Rams where they needed to go, so they passed on him to get a much older Matt Stafford. So I don't love, you know, the prospects of this offense because especially, you know, looking at the receiver position, who does he have to throw the ball to? Tyrell Williams, Rashard Perriman, Aquamania St. Brown, or like, uh, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, like hopefully he, he was at tight end to you because I just don't see it with this team. Um, they're over under sitting at four and a half. It should probably be like two and a half. <laughs> I'm hitting the under. With plus juice, give me the under. Yeah, to quote a great gambler I once knew by the name of Ty B., the Lions suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's... It's one of those questions I have in my head where I'm just like, are they tanking? Because they they got swell. They they have a good offensive line. They have some good young cornerstone looking type pieces on defense and some, you know, whatever. Could they be tanking for a quarterback, building for the future? Or is this just a classic Detroit sucks and like they hire an idiot head coach who's gonna run things into the ground like, like a one winning season that. since like two thousand three yeah. or something? Like I can't imagine like I just see it like Jared Goff sitting there like sipping some like tea in the locker room or something and Dan Campbell comes in like blasting some Metallica like let's go motherfucker like in his face and it's just that type of relationship. Because he's going from Sean McVay, who pampered him, built the offense to him, and made him succeed, 
And now he's going to Dan Campbell, who wants to bite people's kneecaps out. And <laughs> he has one of the worst receiving cores in NFL history. I'm pretty confident in saying that this year. Uh, sure, he's got a good offensive line, but I'm fading them. I am all over this under at plus 125. It is incredible value. Incredible. Oh, 120 today. Uh, sorry, it shifted a bit. People must be catching on. So, yeah, I am all over that. And then. I'm sticking true. I'm going with the under on a team. I'm going over on one of their players. So DeAndre Swift over 900 and a half rushing yards. Stolen. I raved about on fantasy. I was me and Jordan and Rosas got in like a screaming match over DeAndre Swift. I am so confident in him. I'm overdrafting him in leagues just to prove a point this year. He's got an incredible offensive line right there with him. They're a bad team with no receivers. They're going to be running the ball a lot. That's what Dan Campbell wants. They brought in Jamal Williams, but I think he's going to serve a similar role that he did with Aaron Jones in Green Bay, which makes a lot of sense and leaves a lot of room for Swift, who is a guy they invested a a lot of draft capital in uh, Mm -hmm. to get. So this year, you know, after his rookie year where he, he had a pretty good year, he just needed more touches um, behind this line. I love DeAndre Swift over. There's a reason DeAndre Swift is on this graphic. He's going over. That was my pick as well, Meerkat. I mean, so, he didn't have do- yeah. double-digit rushes until uh, week five last year. He had 14 rushes for over 116 yards, then got nicked up a little bit. But every game where he was healthy, he was averaging over four, around four and a half carries or more, or four and a half yards per carry or more. So when I look at that, I'm like, huh, 900 and a half yards over an entire season. That's only 53 yards per game. I think as long as he stays healthy, DeAndre Swift gets well over that i think he's going to be in the 13 to 15 1600 range just because the amount of carries he's going to get and it's not behind a bad offensive line i know teams can focus in on the run but that's fine it's still a decent offensive line if he can average that four yards per carry and get 20 to 30 carries a game sign me up i'm not as high on swift as you guys are just because i mean i'm I'm taking the under as well for the lions let me just get that out there i think they're going to be absolute garbage i think the lions are going to have the worst record in the nfl and i would bet it i would bet it as well um jared goff i know him all too well for the rams he i defended him for years i said you know this guy is good if he's in the right system well guess what detroit is not the right system and teams figured out how to stop jared goff at the end of last year and the year before it's like oh just blitz him just rush him he doesn't know what to do when he's pressured and that's the key he lost his good wide receivers with robert woods and cooper cup and now he's going to what rashad perriman tyrell williams and a bunch of rookies that's a big jump down I the lines are going to be trailing in a lot of games, so I can't talk myself into Swift. But what I can talk myself into is Jared Goff is going to be throwing the ball a lot when they're trailing. And what Jared Goff does when he's trailing is he looks for the safe route, and that's in the tight end. Jared Goff loves targeting his tight ends. Over the last two years, he's thrown 85 combined receptions to Everett and Higby, and the year before, 106. He throws to the tight end, and he's got, in my mind, one of the best tight ends in football with TJ hawkinson it's over 77 and a half receptions at minus 115 he's the number one target in this line's offense it's none of the wideouts it's none of the backs in the receiving game i love hawkinson to get to that number he jumped up 35 receptions last year from his rookie year 32 in his rookie year to 67 last year and the dude is a monster he's six foot six 240 he's gonna be their red zone number one option he's gonna be their number one option on play action he's gonna be their number one option when they're trailing and the defense is playing prevent and they're just gonna get a 15 yard pass because they're down by 35 that's why i'm not big on swift because i don't know how much they're gonna be able to run the ball this year their defense isn't good they're going to be trailing in a lot of games and they also have jamal williams who thrives is that shotgun running back who's going to catch it out of the backfield tj hawkinson is the number one option and no one's going to replace him on this team he's going to play every offensive snap he's going to get his targets i love over 77 and a half receptions and i love the under four and a half i don't know why it's at plus money i don't see five wins on their schedule nope nope they're going under they absolutely suck. There you go, yep. Meerkat. I had to do it for you. I, but, I, um, sorry, I just had one more number, too, I wanted to bring up about Swift. I know his, his rush totals were down a bit last year. I think he finished with, like, 520-something. 520, 520, but yeah. 
in the six games, he had 10-plus rushes. He finished with over 420 yards in those six games. Once he had the opportunities, he was eating. He had the yards per carry. He looked good, and I just want to bring that number up because I like figuring out sample sizes of guys instead of just like the whole season with situations and stuff. Absolutely, and that's a big thing to look at, and that's why some of these numbers are where they are just because of that public perception, and that's why we're digging deeper for you guys, and let's dig deeper here on the Packers. A bunch of chaos in the offseason. No one knew what was going to happen. No one knew who was going to be the quarterback, what Aaron Rodgers was going to do, whether he was going to be throwing the ball in Green Bay or whether he was going to be reading off Jeopardy clues. We got our answer. He's going to be here in Green Bay, so let's see it. So first thing, Packers fans, take a deep breath. Rodgers is back. He's at camp. He's playing, and Devontae Adams is with him. So they're not losing, you know, two of the best players in football. They are here, and that's the big key with the Packers, right? When Aaron Rodgers is there, they're a competitive football team. It doesn't matter what's around them. The over-under is set at 10. It's minus 140 to take the over. It's plus 115 to take the under. I don't like betting against Aaron Rodgers, but the big thing is the Packers didn't really do anything this offseason in typical Packers fashion. They did get a great corner in Eric Stokes, who I do really like out of Georgia. I think he's going to really help fill that number two corner role and take over, you know, Kevin King's role. And that can help them in the secondary big time. And I do like Amari Rogers, who they added out of Clemson. He's kind of built like a running back, but he's a great slot receiver, someone the Packers need because Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantlin haven't really stepped up as that number two receiving option in Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers, he can make anyone look good. He made Robert Tunyon look good last year. That's what Aaron Rodgers does. On the other side of the ball, the Packers just, they didn't add anyone on defense. I guess Devondre Campbell, he can help a little bit. They really didn't change anything in their front seven, and they were 27th last year in pressure rate. They just didn't get to opposing quarterbacks. They kind of let opposing quarterbacks have their way with their defense, and I see that's going to be the case probably again this year. The Packers are that type of stubborn team where they just keep the same guys year to year, and they're like, we'll figure it out. And they've had two of the best quarterbacks of all time for the past 40 seasons, and they don't get enough Super Bowls because they just don't build teams around them. And this is going to be the case again this year. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got a good offense. You got Devontae Adams. You got Aaron Jones. They have good players on defense. They just haven't built a complete team. With that being said, I still think they get to the over just based on Rodgers alone. He's a top three quarterback when he's playing, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. There's really no denying it. Yeah, they lost Jamal Williams on the offense, but they have A.J. Dillon, who's going to step in fine as that number two running back role. Their offensive line is good enough. It just comes down to can their defense step up, and I do like Eric Stokes to help the secondary, which – was you know very lopsided one side of the field i think they reached the over 10 but the packers don't really scare me as a super bowl team this year just because they didn't add anything major this offseason yeah i mean i thought last year the packers were going to take a big step back i thought aaron Rodgers was going to take a big step back i went out there and you know planted my flag uh with that take and aaron Rodgers made me eat my words um i just don't know if he's got the ability to do it again. You saw that there. The, they were like he had the 27th uh, worst pressure rate in the league or whatever. He was getting absolutely you know bashed back there. And I don't know if if he can't. I don't know. I don't don't think he has the athleticism anymore. If he keeps getting hit like that, is he gonna keep making those plays? Is he gonna continue to be the only one to do it? Does he have that in his game still? Is he there fully mentally? And for me, I don't know if that's the case. I guess he says it, and but you also hear some of these interviews he's doing where you know he's he's criticizing the team and the way they've treated other players and this and that. And yeah, I, I completely get it, but like. I don't know if if he's fully focused on winning. And for me, when I hear that and I'm seeing, you know, plus money on the under, I think I'm taking the under and I might even be hitting that no to to make the playoffs. I just don't think they've done enough really to improve. And even at the receiver position, yes, uh, you go and you bring back Randall Cobb. But, like, does that really help all that much? 
Amari Rogers, he's he's a solid guy, but like Aaron Rodgers has had trouble in the past, you know, having com- good communication with young young receivers. And I don't know, I, I'm I'm on the under in this one. They just I just have a weird feeling about the Packers this year. See, last year I faded Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and I ended up regretting it. I'm not going to do it again this year. It's coming off an MVP season, and I think their offense only really got better. They stayed pretty much the same, but added Amari Rodgers, who I actually love. I thought he was a good steal for them. I love the fifth for their offense. And letting Jamal Williams walk, I think, is a boost to their offense because now A.J. Dillon, who they invested some big draft capital in, it has the opportunity to shine. He looked great in a very limited role last year. Now behind Aaron Jones, he could be that number two guy. And I have no reason to doubt uh, Rodgers, like I said. Their defense still a little suspect, but Eric Stokes was a great pick to help, you know, shore up that secondary a bit. Josh Myers, we'll see how he develops their second-round pick there. A bit of a head-scratcher for me, uh, but still – I think they're the easily the best team in this NFC North, and I'm I'm going to take this over 10, and uh, I don't know. I might be looking at a future on a Super Bowl here or there. Wow. Yeah, I mean, last year they they faced the seventh easiest schedule mm-hmm. of passing defenses. That's not going to be the case this year. They're going to face a top 10 uh, ranked defense passing defensive schedule. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Jury's out, but Meerkat, I don't – I, I got, I'm going back to my, my inclinations last year. I think it's happening this year. I mean, Rogers what, pretty much out of Green Bay after this year. It's his last shot. Yeah. And if they don't find success early on in the season, I, I, I mean, I don't love it. Like, you start the season off um, at the Saints. That's not an easy defense to play against. Yes, you should be able to run it up on the Lions, but then you got two more very tough defenses with the, 49, or the, yeah, the 49ers and then the Steelers. So – Good luck getting out of the gates quick, and if not, I think the wheels could fall off. No, I'm not disagreeing with you there. Like, Rodgers is due for regression at some point, but I keep saying it about Tom Brady, too. Every yeah. They keep yeah. outdoing themselves. You look at the both <laughs> last year, Super Bowl and an MVP. I mean, I, I just have no reason to doubt them other than – betting on their regression, but a little a little more over action. I'm actually going over over on a team. Brought him <laughs> up, A.J. Dillon. I am buying – it scares me a bit, but I'm buying into the hype that's being fed into him since he was taken in the second round last year. I'm going over 690 and a half rushing yards for him, which is a big number after yeah. his rookie year. He only had eight more carries than Aaron Rodgers because he was behind Jamal Williams with 46, but Jamal Williams gone, that's 120 more you know carries over open for grabs. I think if Aaron uh, if AJ Dillon can even sniff 150 carries this year, he's going to break this number by a lot, the 690 and a half. Uh, he was averaging 5.3 last year in his limited role, but it's not like he had a few big runs and the rest were one, two, three yard rushes and they just averaged out to that. He was breaking every single runoff for five, six yards at so uh, I'm buying into the A.J. Dillon hype and what they invested into him this year. I'm taking an over for my prop as well. I'm going over, over for the Packers. And I'm taking Devontae Adams over 11 touchdowns. He's the number one target in this offense without question. He's the number one red zone threat. Aaron Rodgers is going to use Devontae Adams. In the last five years, he had 18 touchdowns. He had five touchdowns, kind of down here, 13, 10, and 12. And last year, even with – Adams 18 touchdowns Robert Tanyan still had 11 touchdowns last year that number has to go down and Adams number I could see it stay at 18 Aaron Rodgers he loves Devontae Adams he may not love anyone else in this organization but he loves Adams you know he tweeted the last dance graphic and everything they won one Super Bowl I don't get the reference it, it, <laughs> besides that Adams is a superstar he's the best receiver in the NFL he's gonna get to 11 touchdowns and it's at minus 110 that's basically even money it's free money love that problem Yep. All right. Well, it's time for the last team here in the NFC North division. We're going up north with the Minnesota Vikings in this one. Can Kirk Cousins have a bounce back year or is this team falling off the map, Meerkat? So you look at the key numbers there. Their offense had a good year last year, but then their defense was absolutely miserable. And you can really attribute that to injuries pretty much. Daniel Hunter, one of the probably top five defensive ends in the NFL, 
missed the entire season with a neck injury. It was just a herniated disc, though. Nothing like crazy major. Not like it was nerve damage. He looks 100% in camp, even though he's downplaying himself a bit. Every, every report is he is shining. And um, so I like him coming back this year. They had Michael Pierce, a big free agent addition on that defensive line, opt out because of the COVID stuff. And then Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, one of the best linebacker duos in the league, both had big injuries and missed a lot of time last year. But on the positive side, Delvin Cook, you know, looked great. He, he looked pretty healthy for the most part of the year. Had an incredible season, over 1,500 yards in 14 games. And they they did a good draft. Christian Darisaw at uh, where they got him at 23, incredible value. Incredible value there. Kellen Mond, a bit of insurance there, maybe to groom at quarterback, sure. Uh, Chaz Serrato, a linebacker, is a guy who can come in and start a, uh, right away. Same with Wyatt Davis there on the offense line and you know i think they just did the moves they needed to justin jefferson proved to be a superstar in that offense as well and there's so much Kirk cousins hate and i hate him as a person he's just <laughs> such a square and idiot and all his quotes up but like Kirk cousins he's just a jabroni Kirk cousins was good last year like he had 13 interceptions is is a little whatever but still he had 4300 yards on 68 percent completion percentage and 35 touchdowns like with you know receivers out when Dylan was down it was just jefferson outside of that those two they don't have much but um they're coming into this year you know a bit revamped on defense too big money into delvin tomlinson there xavier woods nick vigil all guys who are primed to start on this defense so i think you know with their win total being set at nine and even though i hate this team I believe in the Vikings. Last year, they went 7-9 and nine despite all of those injuries and, you know, adjusting with Justin Jefferson being your number one guy, your defense in shambles, Kirk Cousins under fire, and your offensive line being a bit meh. Now they got two starters out of this draft on the offensive line. Their whole offense is healthy, ready to go after, you know, some bright spots last year, and the defense is going to be a whole different story this year. I think the Vikings are going to win uh, around like 11 games this year. As much as I hate them, I hate to say it, I'm taking the over. Yeah, I think the Minnesota Vikings might win this division. You, you brought it up a lot about that defense. Um, so many injuries. And, um, yeah, Daniel Hunter, and then you look at the linebacking core, you missed 19 total games there too. So that really, you know, puts you at a bad position defensively. And you add uh, Patrick Peterson and, and some of those other names to this uh, to this defense. Yeah, I like where they're going. The offense should, shouldn't should take a step backwards. They didn't lose any key pieces like that. So um, I like where they're at. I think the Vikings are going to be a very good team, and I'd like them to win this division. I like that over nine a lot. Yeah, I'm going to be right with you guys. I like the over as well. It, it, Meerkat touched on it. The defense is just getting healthier, and their defense is not going to finish where it did last year. They're going to be much better, and that also means they're going to be much better at home where they have that home field advantage with a good defense. Kirk Cousins is fine. We know what he is at this point. He's never going to be you know, a franchise quarterback, but he's a guy you can have in there, and he's going to win you games. Irv Smith Jr., I'm really curious to see stepping up you know, as that number one tight end now to go along as a third passing option when you have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and then Delvin Cook. I mean, in my opinion, he's, I think, one of the most explosive offensive weapons in the entire NFL. I think he could be the best back in all of football this year. It's just a matter of staying healthy. In the past two years, Delvin Cook has done that. So that I'm going to do double over as well, like I did on the Packers. I'm taking the over the win total. I'm taking over for my prop, and it's Delvin Cook over 1,695.5 total yards. I know that seems like a lot, but in 2019, he had 1,654 yards in just 14 games. Last year, he had 1,918 yards in 14 games. That's 137 total yards per game. He gets receptions. He gets rushes. He's one of the few players in football, if not the only player in football, over 300 touches both of the previous two seasons. The Vikings offense runs through him, whether it's a screen, whether it's a draw, whether it's a toss. It doesn't matter. Delvin Cook is getting the ball. He's a weapon for this team. In 17 games, the only way I could see this not hitting is if he gets a serious injury. If Delvin Cook plays the majority of the season, he's going to smash that number. Oh, yeah. 
I, I don't hate that at all. I thought at first you were saying that was his rushing, like just just rushing no. prop. Rushing I was like, oh, receiving. Oh, oh my! I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. But uh, I know I'm going with it over two and another guy I talked about earlier. I'm going with Daniel Hunter over, over ten and a half sacks. I. I might hammer this. Like, I, I might hammer this. This is a low, low number. Like, I brought up he had a neck injury, but it wasn't a crazy – even though it was season-ending, it was mostly precautionary it was season-ending post-procedure. It was just a herniated disc, no nerve damage. He looks – that makes me believe, you know, his body is rested. A nice year off from football pretty much uh, for his phys- – like, his legs and arms and stuff are good to go. That's just my dumb brain, you know, trying to make sense of it. And <laughs> – and, uh, you know, just killing it in camp so far. You add Adelton Tomlinson onto this interior of the defensive line and Michael Pierce after his opt-out coming in. It's just, you know, when the interior of the line's better and you got a super fast, talented edge rusher like um, Hunter, usually that edge rusher thrives because that middle of the line is eating up the double teams and stuff. Hunter's not going to have to worry about that. I mean, he's had at least 12 and a half sacks in all three of his four years that were in his rookie season. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer this. Yeah, I mean that's a great play there. He's been one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL um, when healthy. So Meerkat, an absolute great angle. And wow, is that one division we have left to go now, boys? We're getting we're, so close. We to got season. the West. Two divisions. Well, yeah, we got the two West. divisions. The West. Yeah, a couple of divisions. divisions coming up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, about Justin Herbert. That's cool, I guess. <laughs> Hold on, is his hair back? Have you seen any pictures of, of training camp, or is he still like no? Buzz but cut? I think he got on some. His hair is back, I think, and I think he got on like a really nice skincare routine. He's looking wow. clean. Wow, if that's the case, we might have to put in some features for him as an offensive MVP. You never know. And that's why you guys need to stay tuned to Free Money Football. We're going to be breaking down stuff for you throughout the season, helping you guys make the right picks to get some free money. So make sure you guys follow us over at Degenerate Zone on Twitter and you subscribe on YouTube, like the video, and do all that fun stuff. Help us out so that we can continue to bring you more content and continue to make it even better. because. We're all in this together. We're all out here to get that free money. So shout out to Stevie. Shout out to Meerkat for joining me. Any last thoughts, boys? I don't know. I'm excited I, I, to talk about me. the West. I'm excited <laughs> for next week to talk about the West. I got you know no bias, but there's a couple teams I want to talk about. Ooh. That's why we leave it up to the random list generator, so you can get stuck <laughs> with the Steelers again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm the only one who takes their. Own. Oh no, Ty took the over too, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So make sure you guys tune in next week again. Next Wednesday we'll be here. Again, at 6.30 for you, breaking everything down. And we'll have some preseason football to talk about. Maybe rock, even rock. some bets looking ahead at the weekend. I didn't want to bet week one. Looking ahead. I was a little, little nervous for week one. But going ahead, we'll be bringing you some some preseason bets. So probably be some Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday night games. So we'll have a ton of stuff for you. That's why you got to follow at Degenerate Zone on Twitter. But we'll be even giving out some picks and some other stuff. And... Folks, we got nothing left. I got to get to the creek to hammer this over for the Minnesota Vikings. Good night now.